The title of this class is Post Pesach Chametz. This class is L'schus Rivka Bas Esther Aden. This class is solely intended for educational purposes. Any questions regarding your kasha standards should be discussed with your personal rav. So the question is, what can be wrong with Chametz once Pesach is over? So the Chachamim instituted a knas, a punishment, for any Jew that owned Chametz over Pesach and did not get rid of it or did not sell it to a guy and it was in the Jewish possession over Pesach they punished him that the Chametz after Pesach is forbidden it's Asr Ba'achila, it's Asr Ba'ana it's forbidden to eat, it's forbidden to have any sort of benefit from you cannot feed it to your animals, to animals, you can't give it even as a gift to a guy because there's a type of pleasure in gifts you cannot have any benefit from it you can just discard of it now this is whether the Jew knew about this chametz or didn't know about this chametz whether he owned it for only a few hours during Pesach or for the entire Pesach if the chametz was owned by a Jew during Pesach it is forbidden to eat, forbidden to have any type of benefit from it the Isser to eat chametz that was over Lava Pesach that was owned by a Jew during Pesach applies whether the chametz was forbidden to be owned rabbinically or if it was forbidden to be owned or biblically, either way it is forbidden to be eaten. However, if it was forbidden to own the chametz on a rabbinical level, then the chametz after Pesach is mutr ba'ana, you're allowed to have benefit from this chametz after Pesach. But if it was asr midiraisa, if it was forbidden biblically to own this chametz, then the chametz is asr both ba'achila and both ba'ana, you can't eat it and you can't have any benefit from it. The size of the chametz is even if it was less than a kazais, it's forbidden to eat it. And even if it was batal b'shishim, even if it was one in a thousand, if it had a significant uh, influence on the taste of the food, it is not batal, and a person is forbidden to eat this food. Now, since this is a isud rabbanon, the rule is that whenever there's something rabbanon, we say sofik rabbanon the kula. If we have a doubt in matters of the Yisrael Rabbanon, we are lenient, and we lean towards the sides of leniency. So a person may say, based on that, that if they are not sure whether chametz was owned by a Jew or not, then you could be lenient and uh, eat it, because you could assume that it wasn't owned by a, a Jew. And in theory, that approach is correct. There has to be valid, a valid doubt, that halakhically is called a valid doubt, and if there's a valid doubt, halakhically, a person could just say that they, they're going to rely on the lenient approach and say that this probably isn't chametz. However, the Altair brings another approach, a more stringent approach, that says, no, that in this case, even when someone is in doubt, still, they should not be eating this chametz, they should not be using this chametz, and this is the approach the Altair says that we should be following. So therefore, unless, the Altair says, unless there's a great loss of money involved, this is the approach we should be following, the stringent approach. The strict approach is that even if there is a doubt about this chametz, if it was owned or not by a Jew, and even if it's a valid doubt, nevertheless, we, are, we should not eat it, and we should avoid it. So the question is, which foods are included in this iser of chametz she'avala pesach? So this restriction only applies to actual chametz items, which, are, which come from the five grains, wheat, spelt, barley, rye, and oats. Therefore, the obvious things like bread, pasta, cookies, and pastries, crackers, all these things are obviously... If they were owned by a Jew over Pesach, it is forbidden to eat them or have any benefit from them. Kidneys, however, 
such as rice, beans, corn, and all these similar types of foods are not included in this Isser, and even if kidneys were owned by a Jew over Pesach, nevertheless, it is fine, it is okay to eat them after Pesach, because there was no prohibition transgressed. Now, although certain things could be not cleared at their chametz, we have to be able to look out and be careful to see and look out and know what could be possibly chametz. For example, sometimes someone can see a flower and assume that flower is fine. But in truth, flour usually is processed at a certain point with water, and it does come in contact with water, which makes the flour chametz. Therefore, flour that was owned by a Jew over Pesach cannot be used. As well, in the process of making oats and oatmeal or anything, rolled oats, many times there's water involved, and that should be assumed to be chametz, and if it was owned by a Jew over Pesach, it cannot be used. On the other hand, something like plain barley kernels, generally they're not processed and do not come in contact with water, so plain bar- barley kernels would not be an issue. Um, the question comes up regarding vinegar. So vinegar, there's different types of vinegar. Something called malt vinegar is obviously chametz, because malt comes from barley, and uh, barley obviously is chametz, and the way it's processed will be chametz, so malt vinegar would not be allowed to be bought or used if it was owned by a Jew over Pesach. However, vinegars like wine vinegar or apple cider vinegar could be assumed that they're not coming from any chametzika source because they're coming from a different source. If something is just labeled plain white vinegar, or if there's a product that has white vinegar in it, like ketchup, mustard, mayonnaise, pickles, olives, so then it really depends where the person lives. In the USA, the biggest majority of white vinegar is produced from corn because it's the cheapest grain here, and therefore a person is it's okay for a person to eat. Um, anything with vinegar or buy vinegar, if it was, even though it was owned by Jew or Pesach, because it's uh, not considered chametz over Pesach. However, in places like Europe, the majority of vinegar could be actually chametz coming from wheat starch, so therefore that would be a problem. Obviously, any uh, whiskey, alcohol, uh, hard alcohol, beer that comes from grains would be considered chametz, and if it was owned by Jew or Pesach, a person cannot eat it or benefit from it. So practically, how does that apply to us practically? So if someone's buying their items from a Jewish-owned store, so they have to make sure the store was sold, sold their chametz properly. Now usually people can find out if it's a local store, they can find out from the local rabbanim if a store sold their chametz or not. However, we're talking about bigger stores. There are many stores out there that either are owned, significantly owned by Yidin, or if not that, they are the distributors are Yidin. So I'll explain that. If many stores out there, many chain stores, it could be many of the shareholders are Jews. So Ramesha Feinstein explained that if less than 50% of the shares are owned by Jews, then it's okay, it's not considered owned by Jews. But there's a condition that if a single Jew owns enough shares to be considered that he has a strong voice in the company, and he has a significant influence in the company, or Moshe holds, that in this regards, um, we actually would consider the company managed by a Jew, and that chametz is considered chametz she'avar la Pesach. So, again, for a company to be considered non-Jew, owned by non-Jews, there would have to be less than 50% of the shares owned by Jews, and from less, those less than 50% of shares, there isn't a Jew that has a significant amount of shares, enough to have an influence in that company. So now, even if someone Googles and does the proper research, which you really have to do proper research, and finds out 
to stores that are owned by Goyim and there's no issue of Jews owning it, that doesn't help much because each store doesn't produce, most stores don't produce their own food, don't manufacture their own food, their own food they don't distribute their own food, they go to a distributor which provides them with food, sometimes multiple distributors for different types of foods. Now these distributors are bringing to the store food. If the distributor is a Jew and he owned this food over Pesach and he's bringing it to this non-Jewish store on Pesach or after Pesach, even though you know the store is not is, is completely is, is not considered Jewish, but the distributor could be, and this food is still us to eat and to have any benefit from. So therefore it's not enough to find out if a store is owned by non-Jews, you have to find out if all the distributors to the store as well are owned by non-Jewish people. It happens to be that one of the big, big distributors in America is called CNS, and it provides food to many, many of the big famous chain stores around America, and it is owned by Jews. Usually there are some, there are the, usually the Chafke arranges a sale by CNS and uh, makes sure the Shechamitz is sold, however, not everyone holds of this sale. To give a little background, there's a discussion if you could sell a Jew's chametz when you know he's still going to continue doing business with his chametz over Pesach. And there are three general approaches. One approach is that if he keeps his business open and continues to deal with chametz on Pesach, the sale is worthless. It shows that he didn't mean to sell it really and he never cared about it. And basically, he, he's showing to us that the sale never happened. And that's the opinion of many, many Rabbanim. Others hold, which include Rav Moshe, Rav Moshe held that the sale is a 100% valid sale, and that this Jew, and he's selling chametz that he sold, he's stealing from the guy, or the fact that he's dealing with chametz, he's, he's stealing from the guy at that point. However, it's a valid sale, but he said the sale only works for chametz that was owned during Pesach, but gotten before Pesach. Any chametz that the Jew got on Pesach is not included in the sale, and any chametz that the Jew sells on Pesach also gets pulled out of the sale because when the Jew does that, he sells it, he takes it out of the guy's possession, into his possession, and basically sells it. So the only chametz that this sale would work for is chametz that the guy got before Pesach that he sells after Pesach. And that's what Ramesha held, and many followed that, that approach. However, since Pesach is eight days, there's eight days of Pesach, and during those eight days, or really eight and a half days, close to nine days, where the Isra of Chametz applies, and during those days a, a distributor could do a lot of business and load stores up and acquire during that time, how does one know that the Chametz that they're getting was included in the sale? So some are, because of this, this are not sure, don't rely on such sales. There are other Rabbanim which came out with ways of selling the Chametz, that all Chametz gets sold, even Chametz that he's going to acquire on Pesach, even Chametz that he sells on Pesach is included in the sale, and these are extremely intricate details how the sale of chametz works, and a person has to do a personal investigation with the rav and with the local ashkachas or, or the ashkachas that they rely on to see which so stores were sold and which distributors sold their chametz and how it was sold, if it was a reliable form of sale or not. But it's beyond the scope of this year. But it's just to raise awareness that there are there is such a concept out there. So now, if a person did all their proper research and homework and contacted their personal Rav, and were in touch with Ashgachas on how certain chametz was sold, and if it was sold, and if this chain's chametz is owned by Jews or not, and if the distributors are owned by Jews, there's a lot of homework and research that has to be done, and usually local Ashgachas or Vads, Vadim, or big Ashgachas do all this homework and can help you with it, but always sometimes they'll just give you some information, say it was sold, you need to approach your Rav and find out if the way it was sold is acceptable or not. 
after all this, if you find out that you shouldn't be buying from a specific store, the question is how long should you not be buying from that store? Now it really depends which products. Some products could be, it's better not to buy for close to a month. Some say, you know, as just easy way to remember around Lagba Emmer time, things that have shelf life like cereal or things that could be canned or cookies, these things could last sometimes on the shelf for a while till they turn around. And even when they turn around, there's many times replenishing it from the warehouse, and it was in the warehouse also during Pesach. Or so you have to usually wait about a month for anything that has shelf life. Things that are more fresh baked goods, like bread and certain types of uh, muffins or cakes, whatever it is that's fresh, that doesn't have shelf life, usually after about uh, a week after Pesach, for sure, you know you can be safe that it is basically new stuff and it, it's not chametz. Regarding small mom-and-pop shops, they don't have such a quick turnaround and things go much slower and for such places you need a much longer time to be sure that things turn around. Maybe you could even say that you have to wait till Shavuos for such things to turn around. It happens to be right now with Corona, a place like Restaurant Depot, since most restaurants are not uh, functioning properly, it actually has a very slow turnaround and you have to wait much longer and again, it could be closer to Shavuos time to be sure that all the products had a full turnaround and it's new products now on the shelves. Now, regarding certain drinks like hard alcohol also have a much slower turnaround and a person should wait till about Shavuos time to buy alcohol if it's coming from, again, Jewish-owned store or Jewish-owned distributors. So, because not people don't buy as quickly, people don't consume as quickly. Another issue is that there are certain distilleries out there which are owned by Jews. There's a very famous uh, company called Sazerac that's probably held uh, a company that probably basically owns many alcoholic uh, beverage companies uh, and especially bourbon, uh, the bourbon, different types of bourbon, and uh, it's owned by Jews. Now, it happens to be lately people, Hashgachos or Abanim, have been arranging sales with this company, but the bourbon it's producing was aged and produced before the sale, many years ago, and it's still now being bottled. So a person has to be careful to uh, make sure that when they're buying hard liquor, not just that the store owner is not Jewish, not just that the distributor is not Jewish, but that the owner of the actual liquor company is not Jewish, and even if they're selling the chametz, it could be the batch is from old, from was aged, and back then they weren't selling the chametz and is now forbidden for one to eat or benefits from such a product. There's some general benefit, some general background. Uh, now, if someone did buy by mistake from a store where they're not allowed, they're not supposed to be buying, and they know that basically they know that this is a problematic item. There's machlekes if you could return it. Some say that you could return it because when you return an item, you're not benefiting. The money is not benefiting from the item. You're not getting back money for this item. You're not selling this item to a store. You're just coming to the store and saying, "Sorry, there was a mistake. I got the wrong item." Give me back my money. It's not an exchange. They're not paying you for the value of the item. They're just saying, okay, we you, you never bought this because you never had a mind to buy this. It's like a mekachtos. It's a mistaken transaction and it was never really uh, yours. And it's just they're giving you back your money. You're giving back their item, but they're not buying it and giving you the value of this item. That's what some say. However, others disagree and say that that could be considered having benefit and a person should not return it, rather discard of it. Obviously, as in everything else, a person should ask their personal rav how to go about now, to address one of the questions that was posted with the shear is can one buy cornflakes or Rice Krispies when they're shopping? So if they're in a store, that could be problematic for, for Chametz Shalva Lav Pesach. So 
many times cornflakes and Rice Krispies could have malt in them. And malt comes from barley. And even though it's, it could be a very small amount, it's usually more than shishim. And more than the ratio of 1 to 60. It's not bottle of shishim. As we spoke, it, in theory, it, as we spoke, even if it was uh, more than the ratio of 1 to 60, it would still be a problem. So a person needs to look out and see if there's any malt in the cereal to see if there's any chametz in it. And a person has to be extra careful again in all the ingredients and anything that they're buying, if they're buying in a problematic store, to see if there's any potential problem of chametz.